and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 38th episode of the podcast for the week of January 28th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back DC area astrologer, yoga instructor, and one of my favorite folks to chat with, Jack Marsh, to join me in a discussion on Messenger Mercury. And so I do warn you ahead of time, as Mercury can be long-winded, so can we. And this episode will be rather long, but I think we uh, shared a lot of very interesting things about Mercury as a planet and uh, an astrological influence. So I hope that you enjoy it. So now, before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work, Uh, and get early Sunday access for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week in the second half of her waning cycle, as we have a quiet period of finishing things up before we hit next Monday's new moon in Aquarius. On Monday, she is cruising through the passionate waters of Scorpio, still after having made her last quarter square on Sunday. She will then move into the fiery optimism of Sagittarius on Tuesday and will bring some inspiration along the way. Luna hangs out in the sign of the archer until moving into the get-down-to-business Capricorn on Thursday evening. We can nip all our remaining work in the bud as she moves through the practical earth of the seagoat for most of the weekend, until Sunday when she moves into the futuristic land of Aquarius and heads towards that new moon conjunction. So just a quick heads up, all-time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, at about 8 hours, and if you are in Australia or the East, at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, this week we are continuing to move forward while also wrapping up what is in need of coming to completion or is transitioning for good. Mercury and the Sun meet in their superior conjunction, bringing visions of clarity for the future, while Saturn sextile Neptune helps ground a lot of the hot air that the Jupiter square had bubbled up. 
Mars is squaring Pluto to help us push our action into transformative realms while also testing our patience with the powers that be. If all that wasn't enough, Venus in Sagittarius is making a trine to Uranus, which is promising a flow of excitement to the week before she moves into grounded Capricorn. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Scorpio, and she will make an early, early sextile to Saturn and trying to Neptune, and then in the day, she will make a sextile to Pluto. And so we don't have any uh, aspects perfecting that day, so the bottom line for Monday is to uh, be sure to watch for intense dreams during the early morning hours, as there may be some transformative emotional energy coming in with Luna's trying to Neptune, because I noticed that Neptune tends to really invigorate our dream life. Uh, And we are likely to be feeling quite passionate today and ready to take action on making changes in our lives with that opportunistic sextile to Pluto. There can be some sensitivity in place, and if we, you know, we may feel a little uh, moody or a little aggressive at certain points in the day, yet if we do, these outbursts can help us get closer to understanding our true desires and then pushing through any emotional hiccups that arrive from a more instinctual place. So there is a regenerative vibe in the air on Monday, so make good use of it. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is now in Sagittarius, and she will actually make no aspects that day, at least here on the Pacific coast. Uh, But we do have Mercury making the conjunction to the sun that day, the superior conjunction. And so Mercury, uh, our thoughts, communications, ideas, information coming in, our perception, what we, you know, learning, communicating, news, a lot of news, the State of the Union address that will be happening this night. Um, And of course, you'll learn all about Mercury later in the program, just keep in mind. Uh, But Mercury conjunct the sun is, uh, conjunctions are new cycles where two planets merge and they become one. And the sun is that solar force, the life force, our vitality, our conscious awareness, and where we may be turning a page based off new information. And so, you know, with Mercury conjuncting the sun, chances are conversations are going to be ramped up. There's going to be a lot of contact going on, a lot of ideas floating through the air because this is Aquarius that it's happening in. So we are looking at future perspectives. Um, And really, Mercury is combust as it applies and separates with the sun. So there can be the air, you know, in the days uh, around it where we are sensing that something is coming forth, yet we don't have quite the details or the clarity as to what is uh, happening next. But once Mercury moves into the heart of the sun, um, which is that conjunction, that's when we're going to get a lot more uh, clear on what that future trajectory is looking like. And so calls, texts, emails, paperwork, you know, you can expect all these types of things on this day. And because Mercury rules commerce and trade, uh, transactions may be happening or the thought of them. You might be entertaining the purchase of something. And since this is Aquarius, you know, it's a great time to get clear on future plans and strategies. Uh, So if you, you know, this is a great day to kind of plan the future. 
Um, and chances are we're going to have a lot of news in collective announcements where changes are taking place to on a more societal realm or where we're upgrading things, improvements, maybe announcements of technology, things along those lines. But Jack and I are going to be talking all about Mercury and this particular aspect and much more later in the program. So I'll leave that for there. So the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that this is a day of learning about what the future holds in store. And it's quite possible we will see our personal stories and overall belief in life begin to morph towards new and improved viewpoints. This may be a very prophetic or uh, intuitive day, so be sure to listen to whatever waves of consciousness are floating in for inspiration. They may come in rather fast, so have a pen and paper handy for whatever ingenious ideas arise. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is still in Sagittarius, and she will make an earlier morning sextile to the sun in Mercury, a square to Neptune, and a conjunction to Jupiter, and then a trine to Mars. So needless to say, we have a busy lunar day happening. She is contacting everyone. Uh, we are not perfecting another any other transits, so the bottom line for Wednesday is that we may feel like a few days are happening in one. Like, we're going to go through some emotional, you know, roller coaster in a way. Um, but we are still pushing forward and we are emotionally learning as we go through the, the motions of the day. And so that midday square to Neptune can bring energy down uh, that has a desire to want to escape from it all um, in order to have a little fun. You know, you might feel a little cramped up where you are just ready to get on with it or to free, you know, up the energy in some way. But it's also possible that we're going to want to push forward on a dream that desires to come to Earth. Um, Because we do have that conjunction to Jupiter, and uh, we have that sextile to Neptune, which I'm going to speak about here shortly. And so we may still be in that conceptualization phase, yet our feelings are in alignment with this push forward as we start to become aware of our new beliefs around something. And so that trying to Mars later on in the day may make it hard to get to sleep. So I would recommend uh, to get some exercise in uh, during the day or later in the evening, even if it's just a walk around the neighborhood to kind of get off any excess energy. Now, on Thursday, the moon is still in Sagittarius, but she will move into Capricorn around uh, the late afternoon here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she'll make a conjunction to Venus and then a trine to Uranus. And so that day we have Saturn making the sextile to Neptune. Um, And I just, you know, to be clear, these are slow moving planets. So we have been feeling this influence brewing for at least a few weeks now. So even though it's perfecting in the morning on Thursday, it's more of this, you know, kind of overall encompassing type of energy. And so Saturn, you know, responsibility, commitments, uh, how we structure things, where we're taking authority for ourselves or dealing with authority, um, where we're putting down foundations or consolidating something for the long term, where we need to organize and plan, you know, bring things down to earth. And sextiles create opportunities where they open the door and we can choose to walk through that door or not. And so Neptune, you know, Neptune does have the rap of being, you know, kind of lost or confused or uh, uh, dissolving something from our lives, which is quite possible. But there is that spiritual inspiration that comes with Neptune um, and why I think that this transit can be good for, uh, you know, the dreams and making that a reality. 
And so I really think that this transit in particular pairs with Jupiter square to Neptune that happened a few weeks prior, and both are going to repeat throughout the year. So basically, we're having the first pass of both Jupiter square Neptune and now Saturn sextile Neptune. And so for all the dreams, the big notions, the creative imagineering that we've been going through, now all that is kind of, it comes to this uh, bring it down to earth type of force uh, that is underway and where we might need to put some practical structure into these areas. Um, Because if it was all hot air, you're probably going to know it by now. Um, because it really depends on if you'll do the work or if someone else is going to do the work with the, you know, the prop, the, whatever was presented to you. So, you know, what those big things that were swirling around now we're seeing if they're feasible for the most part. Um, and essentially there is the opportunity to combine the material with the spiritual uh, and get the best of both worlds. And so serious thoughts about our spiritual directions are likely at this time with illuminations coming in that can be used in a practical way. And it's possible to work hard at something that is of a charitable nature when we want to give ourselves to something because Neptune does have that, um, you know, like it's willing to help a person that is in need. And so it's likely that this influence Influence has been increasing this whole month. So even though it's happening today, like I said, this is more of an overall energetic vibe, uh, more than a kind of a sharp hit of energy. And it really is quite perfect with the government opening this week after the Jupiter square Neptune, all the hot air. Now Saturn's like, oh, guess what? You have to open and take care of responsibilities. (laughs) So this is another uh, way of looking at this particular energy. So the bottom line for Thursday is is that we are likely to feel rather good and excited about life as an early day conjunction to Venus helps open us up to the next leg of our story uh, by bringing a sense of emotional balance into play. The day may not go quite as planned with the trine to Uranus, yet that may be just what is needed to shake some things up and awaken new points of insight so that that can come in and, you know, help us learn because Sagittarius always wants to learn. So go with the flow and stay flexible uh, with the day because we were not quite sure where it may turn. So once Luna moves into Capricorn later in the afternoon or evening, depending on where you are, the energy will probably become more dense. uh, And it's possible that insecurity issues can pop up at this time where, you know, that prior enthusiasm kind of shifts into maybe a a more pessimistic place, which is a potential. Um, So take this time to get real about what is next, yet don't weigh yourself down or go to the dark side (laughs) too much. Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Capricorn, uh, and we'll make uh, later in the evening a sextile to Neptune and then a conjunction to Saturn. And so on Friday, Mars is squaring Pluto exact. And of course, we are feeling this throughout the week. Um, And this is an interesting aspect. So Mars, our focused action, our drive, our how we, you know, put our motivation into play, uh, where we might be aggressive uh, or angry about something, but also where we're assertive and taking action. And this can represent male figures as well, um, and even be an indicator of access. So I want everybody to be cautious as they're moving forward this week, not to scare you, just to be aware that there is this intensity in the air. So now squares, they're always going to bring events, action, challenges, tension. You know, they're, we're pushing forward into something that's next. 
And Pluto is a very transformative vibe where it wants to purify something. Uh, and usually this whatever is happening is, is leading towards some sort of great change, which can bring up some really uh, strong emotions depending on how we view about what is shifting uh, and repositioning itself in our lives. And so... With Mars square Pluto, there, you know, there are assertive actions towards transformation that are taking place. So that's a very positive side. If you want to change things up in your life, now is the time. We are pushing that into, into new realm. Um, or you could be like me, where I've been doing beach body exercises and really enjoying uh, exercise, which is not a normal for me. <laughs> but I'm pushing forward into this uh, new way of, uh, you know, acting and changing my own actions in the day. Yet be aware, you know, there is the chance of fierce power struggles and aggression in the air because we got explosive Mars and Aries uh, meeting with Pluto and Capricorn, which can be an authority type of uh, figure or something that's outside of us um, in the collective. So really watch for pushing the energy too hard for this is an aspect that does not play around. So if you're caught in disagreement or you find yourself surrounded uh, by it on the outside, because sometimes we're just forced into it based on what's, you know, you kind of walk into a disagreement or an argument, we want to find either a constructive way through it, because Pluto wants us to go through something. You can't really ignore it. You got to go through. Um, Or sometimes you can just walk away and let it be what it is. Either way, there has to be a coming to terms. Um, But there is an overall sense of confrontation in the air, and it can get intense. Um, So if there are actions that have been or are being taken without integrity, because Pluto also wants honesty and integrity from us, that's that purifying force, chances are there will be a block in the road now. Um, So this can be a destructive influence, yet if we are destructing something that no longer serves us, then we can see how the high side of this transit uh, can really take place. So we want to we want to strive for that, but because there is that air of violence and potential accidents, I would avoid dangerous situations or taking too much of a risk on something, especially if you're really heated up about an issue, because it's likely to backfire in a way that may be irreparable. Um, so really slow your roll this week and find the positive use of renewing and purifying your action energy. So the bottom line for Friday is is that it's time to get down to business as Luna slowly makes her way to conjoin Saturn all day. And so the practical realities in our lives are popping up and are in need of attention. And this may be a great day of effort or uh, work if you got to get something done, uh, particularly with that Mars-Pluto square at play, especially big things, you know. Uh, But it's also possible that these few days, particularly Friday and Saturday, will bring some sort of breakdown, breakthrough type of energy or events um, that are going to be, uh, that are going to bring a considerable amount of energy into the air that is really pushing for change. So reality may feel heavy. Uh, So do what you can to focus on what is necessary, yet try not to take on too much emotional burden in the process. Now, on Saturday, the moon is still in Capricorn and will make a conjunction to Pluto in a square to Mars. So we can already see that the moon is going to be lighting up that aspect I just spoke of. But we also have Venus trying Uranus that day, and Venus will also be making a square to Chiron. 
And so Venus uh, is where we are relating to people, uh, where we open up in life, and how we cultivate balance and harmony. Um, in you know what, and usually that is in regards to what we open up to. And so flowing trine with Uranus, trines are flowing, they're sudden, you know, things are rapidly moving, there's no obstacles in the way, so just get ready. And Uranus is one, another planet that is really about uh, change and fast, unexpected change, where either we're awakened to something um, or there's a sudden storm that comes about that is leading us to a turnaround in some area or um uh, in need of freeing from some sort of influence. And Chiron, uh, you know, Chiron really is that, can be that opening of a wound or where we trigger some sort of pain. Uh, but it can also be the healing of a wound or maybe where we gain wisdom around what that pain is and then how to heal it. And so, you know, really, we have a lot of planets that if they've been hitting Uranus, they've been hitting Chiron because both of these, uh, like all the planets that have gone through Sagittarius have basically lined up to try and Uranus and then square Chiron simultaneously because they're both at critical degrees in Pisces and uh, Aries. And so... Really, you know, a lot of this has to do with expanding out of our comfort zone because uh, we're likely to feel bored with everyday existence and are going to want to venture out into new territory. So this can be a great time to meet new people that you wouldn't normally connect with. That's a very Venus trying your honest thing. Um, and there is an energetic buzz in the air uh, that is you know, kind of cultivating that excitement that is desired. Or we may be seduced by, you know, what is going on around us because Venus has that seduction quality. Or we're seduced by something that might be unusual that we're not normally taken in by. So, um, you know, if you're in a relationship, this can be a great time to try something new and different to kind of heat things up, you know, get out of your own comfort zone within the relationship. Uh, or if you're not, you may come across someone that is not your usual cup of tea. Um, and you can ride this energy as, as, as long as you, you know, you can ride the wave. But the thing with Uranus is that it, it comes and it goes. It's rather fast. So it might be exciting today, but not so much later on. So just keep that in mind. Now, it's possible with that Chiron connection here that we may be pushing, um, it's pushing us to open up to new and different uh, ideas uh, and, and beliefs in order to heal, because this is Sagittarius. Um, so we want to open up to these, these learning experiences and what, uh, you know, new perspectives and, and ways of believing about life that can help heal us and bring better balance and better connection within our relationships to others. And so there may be a thawing out of old issues that is needing uh, break, you know, needing to break through that energy in order to heal in the first place. So the bottom line for Saturday is, is that we are feeling the Mars square Pluto aspect today as Luna makes a conjunction to Pluto and then squares Mars around midday. And there are excitable forces in the air that may lead to moodiness, impulsiveness, and situations that cause irritation. Relations can spark some uproar as Venus and Uranus both are at critical degrees. Um, and then they meet up to bring energy forth that is in need of breaking free because there is that liberating influence. 
So take this period with a grain of salt, uh, yet also recognize the changes that are now taking place. Because really, your attitude may be everything on a day like today. So no matter where you find yourself, open up to the learning opportunity that this day holds and then choose to move beyond. Now, on Sunday, so much going on this week. My Lord, I can't wait till we get to calmer waters. <laughs> then I don't have to talk about it all. Um, but Sunday, we are now in the moon is in Aquarius, and she will make an early morning square to Uranus. But also, no, we have Mercury, who is sextiling Jupiter, and then Venus will move into Capricorn after she has her Uranian, uh, <laughs> her Uranian trine. And so Mercury sextile Jupiter, once again, Mercury, you know, what we're learning, what information is coming in, thoughts, communications. Once again, sextiles, they open up opportunities for us to walk through the door on something. And Jupiter always wants to grow further and to move us forward and expand the world. And so with Mercury and Aquarius already thinking about future and idealistic themes, Jupiter coming in will really have us sizing up our plans for moving forward. So we have an opportunity to see larger patterns in our lives and what may need to be revised and improved in order to continue moving forward. It's also possible that we are entertaining possibilities and trying on different options within that mental space, you know, because we are in the realm of prospect, especially in air signs. And so ideas may pop in that are leading you down new avenues to entertain. And conversations with others are bound to be thought-provoking at this time. Um, And even internal chatter or external discussions may bring innovative clues um, in order to expand upon, you know, what it is that we're learning. So this is a great day to really learn something new or to revise your way of thinking as you take in new information. And this could be a time where people are traveling around. Uh, so if you're out and about, that is very par for the course uh, because the both these planets together and in masculine signs are really signifying movement. Now, with Venus moving into Capricorn, uh, we're going to go from that fire expansiveness of, (laughs) you know, Sagittarius and move into this kind of dense area of Capricorn. And Venus will be in Capricorn until March 1st. And so our seductive gal Venus is likely to cool off a bit as she enters into the sign of the sea goat. And so relationship concerns are bound to be more on the practical side with this discussion of relationship goals and financial considerations on the plate. And we are more apt to be attracted to pragmatic purchases. Yet there is the possibility of yearning for status, uh, status increasing objects because Capricorn is very concerned with status. So, for example, we are less likely to indulge on what is maybe fancy and fun, but are more apt to spend, you know, our serious dough on work clothes or improvements to our overall respectfulness, you know, kind of it's less frivolous and more on what is of use to us. And so... You know, if you are uh, in the artistic field, this is a great time to match that artistic creativeness of Venus with the useful know-how of Capricorn, uh, with the ability to create objects that are not just for show, but also exhibit practical purpose. So paired with Mercury cruising through Aquarius, this can be a very innovative time to create things of a practical nature. And so the bottom line for Sunday is, is that energy is is quiet as we're waning down to tomorrow's new moon in Aquarius. So this is likely to be an introspective day as our minds can see more clearly in regards to where we are headed 
and the opportunities that are coming on the horizon. So use this day to get some rest while monitoring your emotional viewpoint, for you can detach yourself enough at this time to get a bird's eye view into life, which in turn will help you begin to set intentions that will lead into the next cycle. So to really wrap it all up here, and Lord, I have said enough, (laughs) we are closing out January with a bang, and what a crazy month it has been. Life is moving forward and clarity arrives, yet there is likely to be growing pains as we navigate through the many points of initiations that are taking place in our lives. Have patience with yourself this week and keep your eye on what the future holds. All right, so let's take a look at the cards real quick to, you know, see what they have to say about all the energy I just summarized. And so this week I drew the King of Wands as the focus and the Two of Wands as the grounding. And so with the King of Wands as the focus, we are taking authority over our lives and exhibiting leadership in the realms of our goals and passions in life. This bodes well for anyone involved in creative projects. For now, it's time to get serious, structure things out, and take these objectives further. There is a maturity that is needed in order to do so, and that is what gives this king so much energy, power, and respectability. He exhibits great professionalism and goes after what he wants. Now, the only thing to watch for this week is that the king kind of has an insistence that he is always right. And so with Mars squaring Pluto this week, that may not always be the case. Or perhaps it's just not worth it to insist your will upon others. Now, with the Two of Wands as the grounding, the King of Wands is embracing his authority because we have made decisions around what it is we desire to accomplish. There may have been two options on the plate, and now one is ready to be rolled with. It's also possible that we pair with another of like-minded passion to embark upon an aspiration as a team. We are in the early stages of enterprise, and this initial decision is now ready to come out into the open and be carried further towards success. So last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the hummingbird. With this sweet little buzzer buzzing around this week, we are embracing a more joyful side of life and feeling enthusiastic about the way things are turning out. There is a positivity to be embraced at this time, and if you find yourself on the other side of things, put the image of this naturally jovial creature into your mind and see if it doesn't help lighten the mood. They are almost mystical in in their ways, so, you know, their presence may be aligned with somewhat of a spiritual buoyancy in the air, or maybe as if spirit is buzzing in your ear. So pay attention as enlightenment may be the message. They also whiz about at lightning speed, so do not be surprised if this week goes rather fast. I have to say that these are one of my favorite animals as I keep an active feeder going on at my house, and I make my own little special sweet brew for these wonderful little creatures, and they just bring me so much joy every day. So I really hope that they can bring you some this week too. Now, if you would like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how it interacts with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. And it doesn't matter if you're a a novice or an expert, you know, it's it's rather easy to get into, and there's guidebooks for that. But basically, I just make placements uh, that are designed around these uh, astrological transits, and then the cards help you get closer as you pull them to what the more specific meanings may look like for you. 
Um, so last week we worked on I Will Survive, and this week we will be working on Empowering Forward. So if you want to find out more, uh, you can check out a freebie spread on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome back, as always, one of my favorite guests, and that is Jack Marsh. Thank you for being here again, Jack. Thanks for having me back again, Mel. Yes, I, anytime, anytime. I like make segments up just to bring Jack back because that's how much I enjoy talking. <laughs> so let, let no one be fooled that this is a purely selfish <laughs> uh, thing going on here. Um, so if you have listened to the podcast in the, in the past, there, I think, is this your fourth or fifth time? This is going to be the fourth time. Okay, yeah. Could be fifth. It could be- <laughs> I've dreamed about more podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is this real or not? <laughs> this is all true. Um, so if you haven't heard him before, uh, we'll give this time to him so you can tell everybody a little bit about yourself before we get started. Sure. Well, uh, my name is Jack Marsh, and I am a D.C. area astrologer up uh, near our nation's capital where all the hot stuff is going on right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I work in uh, uh, as a day job in the real estate market and do home staging and design. And I also teach yoga and I practice astrology. It's quite a wonderful little jack of all trades, mercurial trifecta. And how appropriate that we're going to be talking about Mercury and the upcoming Kazemi in Aquarius today. Yes. So, I, of course, I knew I was bringing Jack on for the week. And, you know, we can talk about just about anything, but we are having that Mercury-Sun conjunction. And so just, I I don't know, it just felt right since Jack is a uh, Gemini rising and a Gemini Sun right there, uh, conjunct his ascendant. And so, yeah, Messenger Mercury came to mind. And so I thought, why not do a a Mercury episode? Because I know I like to focus on, you know, topics here and there, but I thought this could be more of a kind of a fun educational one to dive into Mercury. <laughs> Absolutely. Dive into Mercury. Check out Kazemi. And I didn't know if you were conscious of it or not, Mel, but uh, the uh, Kazemi goes exact at nine degrees, 54 minutes of Aquarius this uh, this season. And that's actually exactly conjunct my North Node. So I wasn't sure if you had, had like planned that that way or not, or if that was just the magic of divine timing unfolding itself for us. Now that is all the universe is doing. I did not put that together. And as you're saying it, which is funny, I totally forgot that's opposite my own Mercury. Uh, So I'm sure this will be quite fruitful for myself as well. Um, And so before we get started, let's do a little recap because I just want to hear what Jack has to say about, you know, God, January and uh, all the action. What do What's going on, Jack? What have, what have you seen? Well, the January has been such an interesting month, and I'm sure people have noticed this sort of shifting energy in terms of the feeling of uh, speed and duration. The first half of the month felt so slow. Like very, like the first half of the month felt almost like it was a six week period instead of about two weeks or two and a half weeks. And then suddenly this last week, things have really sped up. Uh, us rushing it, like uh, moving into Aquarius season from Capricorn, the light of the sun finally uh, getting away a little bit from Saturn uh, and arriving into Aquarius where he's sure he's in a little uh, bit of detriment, but uh, away from those slowing influences. And we have 
gotten to have the wonderful uh, contrast of having Mercury stay in Capricorn for a little bit. So even though the light of our uh, vision has moved forward, we're still in a place where Mercury is facilitating a lot of accurate communication, uh, reviewing of hard facts, people having serious discussions and actually getting somewhere a little bit more. Uh, just hours ago when we're recording this podcast, uh, several news events happened today, one of which is that uh, the Trump administration is trying to reopen the furloughed government, which is uh, going to be great for a lot of workers that have been missing their pay. Uh, and sort of everyone's been clamoring for it. And uh, the whole government from, from all directions has been kind of playing footsie around the issue. And so it's going to be great for there to finally be some serious open discussions happening around all of the controversial topics that are just bogging down the district right now. Yeah. And it makes sense, you know, finally, (laughs) number one, finally. Um, But two, you know, it kind of makes a little sense with the timing because as Jack and I are recording this, um, because obviously it happens before it comes to air, uh, Mm -hmm. it's also, you know, Mercury is squaring Uranus still. And so I was expecting something to come out this week in, in regards to you know, it's some piece of information freeing things up. And and so here it is. This is the event taking place. You know, it's not holding, it's, it's something had to give, right? You know, something right. has to happen. And so here we are with that. And so it should be interesting. And you had, you were saying something about, because uh, we obviously chatted about this right before we started talking, but there is something significant about reopening, right? That has to do with Mercury, Yes. So um, uh, uh, along with that announcement, the administration has proposed a three-week temporary reopening of the government while they discuss uh, the issue of funding the proposal for the wall. And uh, that would reopen the government for three weeks, putting us into mid-February. So the ending time period for this temporary reopening that's been proposed would be approximately February 16th, which is as Mel pointed out, when the Mars-Uranus conjunction goes exact. Yes. So we have this period on the 12th. Yeah, so maybe it will end a little sooner. (laughs) Might end a little sooner, or we might have a surprise uh, decision made right before the ending period, end of the period. Which is, well, because it's interesting, Jack, because that day that Mars conjuncts Uranus is also first quarter in Taurus. So we can definitely expect action mm. to be going down, but you know. Continue on. <laughs> sure. Um, and that, so that puts this whole next uh, three-week period right in between this Mercury square Uranus and then fi- uh, ending basically with the Mars conjunct Uranus. Um, another thing to note is that if the government is reopened this coming week, this Tuesday, then the State of the Union is going to happen. And the State of the Union will be taking place exactly at the time that the Mercury Kazemi goes exact within 16 degrees. Uh, it'll be, it'll be getting, a close. It'll already be within like the one degree, the 60 minute mark of the original, uh, definition of Kazemi. And I'm not sure who th- that's going to play out better for at this moment. We have Nancy Pelosi as, uh, Mel and I were talking earlier that has a lot of wonderful things in her own chart perfecting and getting stronger. And we also have Donald Trump who's, uh, Aquarius in his charts is in the seventh house of, uh, a partnership and communications, and that will be when he sort of has the microphone in front of the country. So it'll be really interesting to see what exactly gets communicated about the revolutionizing of structures, Aquarius, mm-hmm. to, I mean, the the people. Uh, 
it's going to be definitely a hot time to watch the State of the Union uh, if you want to get some good political theater in your system. <laughs> like we haven't had enough of that already. Um, not enough. Not enough. Never enough, <laughs> I suppose. But how, how a pro, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Like that is timing to the nth degree. And for those of you who, you know, who might be beginners out there, there's like, what is Jack talk? What is this Kazemi? Well, Kazemi <laughs> is when a planet, and in particular, we're talking about Mercury here, goes into the heart of the sun. Uh, and so that means it, it gets, I mean, the, traditional kind of rule of thumb there is about 17 uh, minutes uh, in on either side of the sun. And so it's just this really small window and some would give it a whole degree, uh, but we'll stick with that. We'll stick with that 17 minute window on either side as mm-hmm. to what, you know, when the sun and mercury come together, it's the messenger basically be- becoming conscious in, in some way. Mm-hmm. And to play off of what you said earlier, about how it's kind of nice to have the Mercury still in, I mean, Mercury's now moved to Aquarius, but all this time that we've had with Mercury and Capricorn, but having the sun yeah. ahead of it, because it's nice to have our conscious awareness ahead of something before the mind, you know, let the mind catch up rather than the mind rushing ahead <laughs> and then being like, oh, now I'm aware. So that's, that's always a nice part of the cycle to kind of have that almost like foresight to some extent. Absolutely. And I I do think it's worth noting as well that the transition from Capricorn to Aquarius is one of the smoothest transitions between signs and feelings in the entirety of the wheel. You got the double Saturn rulership that happens to no other planetary rulership scheme. Of course, in modern astrology, you have Uranus thrown in there for Aquarius as a joint ruler. But originally, and for thousands of years, Saturn was the one and only ruler of Aquarius. And so you have this slow and steady feel that even when you have that slow moving chugga chugga freight train of Capricorn, when you arrive in the station at Aquarius and and the train stops moving, uh, you have all the steam that lets out. You have all of this wonderful, uh, all the principles of law and thought and uh, discussion that comes forth from the established growth from Capricorn gets to um, air itself in this very still air uh, so together they sort of form this wonderful uh, pattern of like what is the establishment of a of a place of a home of a person's pattern or of a country through Capricorn and then what uh, what laws what patterns what rules are established because of the structure mm. and I uh, think that that's exactly where we're going now we're looking at what is going to be the structure of our budget as a nation where is going to be uh, well. Other countries dealing with that as well. The whole Brexit issue is coming to a peak finally. Yes, England absolutely. Poor Theresa May got a little over her head with the whole nation, mm-hmm. like trying to be the figurehead for a nation at war with themselves over ideology. And there, that what you just said—that last sentence there—you know—that's a big part of Aquarius because you know it is a fixed energy, so it, it stays where it is. And we do have these fixed ideologies, and that's kind of part of the problem here is no one's meeting in in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I found that interesting about Brexit too, and how it, it became a, a no-go through you know the current legislation that was underway, and so and that seemed like very right timing with the planets as well. You know, there, it, it, no, and really speaks to the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that's coming up next year. Yeah. Um, and kind of why maybe those hard policies aren't just put into place because that's just not how it's going to work. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it is isn't very interesting, like you said earlier about 
Capricorn to Aquarius in general, because Capricorn, you know, we're talking about Earth. Earth is dense. It can, it's very, it can feel very heavy. So there is this lifting that comes with Aquarius. And it is interesting to note that, you know, the, basically our government has been shut down since the, uh, the uh, winter solstice when we mm-hmm. had the full moon and, and the sun moved into Capricorn. And so that whole time, and, pro- and you know, as collectively, it probably felt very heavy, especially for those furloughed workers who are like, I don't have money to eat. I don't have money to pay my rent. You know, these very practical concerns for living in the world. And that's also, you know, a Capricornian thing. Oh, for sure. And I I mean, can you even imagine going to work for two to three weeks and not getting paid and still being expected to come back to work? No. That that seems like a very violation of the Capricorn principle. My goodness, you can tell we've got Pluto thrown in there. (laughs) Right, right. It really is against that. It's like... It doesn't make any sense. Um, but at the same time, maybe that it plays into Capricorn's association with duty to something. And so mm-hmm. people felt that, but maybe not even very that. evil, perhaps. Kind of like you just had to go through the motion because they understood what, you know, the consequences that would come from it anyways. Because mm-hmm. if you don't go to work, you know, you're not going to get that back paycheck, right? And then sure. if you don't go to work, you also know how everything's going to fall apart without you and how uh, actually needed and useful. That's another very Capricorn thing, how useful you are in that position. And so, you know, uh, to use another term, it's a rock in a hard place that people were literally put in for this Capricorn season. Um, Absolutely. A few bright spots though, that blood moon, first of all, I hope that everyone got a chance to uh, in the Americas to get outside and see it because what a beautiful thing that was. Um, uh, I personally never gotten to see a full blood moon like that. And it really, the, the light of dawn and dusk from the sides of the earth striking with that amazing orange red glow on the moon and such a, you know, it's rare to call an eclipse sort of, um, overtly positive, but it's, it felt, it felt more positive than its usual, uh, mixed bag of disruption, if you will. (laughs) We have that nice, every lunar eclipse is a straight line, and this one happened to be a straight line along the north node moving forward. Um, So the sun backlighting the moon through the earth from south node to the north node, um, sort of uh, sending a last dart of energy through the body of that dragon in a forward direction. And uh, uh, that forward direction uh, did move from from Aquarius to Leo. So wherever you've been experiencing the last 18 months of uh, ecliptic forward motion, uh, for those that have been feeling it with uh, sensitive points or planets in those areas, um, I would expect uh, to see in the next six months to maybe a year, give or take who you talk to and the qualities of your chart, um, some final fruits to come to bear uh, in more of a sweet way than usual. Fewer rotten fruits, perhaps. <laughs> Fewer rotten fruits. Well, you know, maybe that just speaks to the quality of Leo to begin with, you know, because Leo's, it, it, it is about fun and on the high side, of course. There's many facets to Leo, but one of the things that's so, you know, lovable about it is, you know, fun and joy and, you know, just... I don't know. That's kind of where play lives to some extent that Leo's love to play and maybe be a little lazy and have just be joy in who they are. And like, you know, so perhaps that was part of it. I, I was pretty ramped up myself. I also knew I'm like, you know, cause eclipses, 
Like the ancients thought, you know, don't look at them. You're crazy if you look at that because you're inviting the evil into your life. But, uh, but you know, there was a part of me and even I was talking um, with my friend, uh, James David Wade, he, he felt the same thing. He's like, I just felt compelled to go look at it. And me too. I'm like walking down the stairs. I'm like, I probably shouldn't, but I have to. And then I photographed it, did the whole thing. Like, <laughs> beyond looking at it. Um, <laughs> But I couldn't help myself, you know? It's, it's one of those mystical parts of life, you know? Absolutely. Whenever the day enters night or the night enters day through uh, through the ecliptic patterns, it is, uh, it, it's such an interjection. It's hard not to take a peeky-poo, you know? Just <laughs> a little peeky-poo. It's just and, <laughs> uh, and it is really fun to note, too, that the upcoming conjunction of uh, Jupiter and Saturn at zero degrees of Aquarius, which everyone is already getting lovely and stressed about uh, for next next January, uh, happens at exactly the same point mm. as the sun was at when it formed this final eclipse in the series. And so just astrologically speaking, that's far too much of a significant coincidence to not link those two things a little bit. That's within a th- one 360 rotation of the sun. Basically on the sun's solar return to the eclipse, it will, uh, uh, that will, it forms that point where Jupiter and Saturn will come conjunct and it goes and they go conjunct i believe right on or right before the sun enters aquarius so we're going to have that like lunation happen basically immediately before or after i would need to verify next year's date but it happens either immediately before or after the jupiter saturn conjunction does go exact so we will have that light of the lunation sparking up that hot spot again next year uh, the beginning of a new, I believe, 400-year, or is it 200-year cycle of uh, the grand conjunctions of Jupiter and Saturn? Oh, as far as that sign is concerned. Yes, as far as yeah. Aquarius is concerned. Um, yeah, so December 21st, 2020 is the is the first. So we'll have to get a little bit there, but that's not, I mean, that's not that crazy off. Um what is going on? What is going on there? That will actually, you know, when that takes place, that's all, that's on the winter solstice uh, of 2020 is when that conjunction uh, perfects Jupiter and Saturn. How interesting, you know, especially since we had such an interesting winter solstice this past year uh, where the government shut down, as we were just talking about. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm, you know, we are, I feel like we're astro forecasters playing playing play-by-play what's going on out there. Um, Oh, yeah. Kind of fun. (laughs) Absolutely fun. Um, And then uh, the only other thing was uh, that happened this week was the amazing conjunction of Jupiter and Venus in the sky and all of those beautiful things that that brought along with it. Um, uh, Everyone that I know had something fun happen on Tuesday, followed by a particularly harsh Wednesday or a very, very mundane Wednesday. Uh, just, uh, the, it's amazing how quickly the relief of the benefics can swoop in and bring something lovely. And then this is just a really melancholic, slow, dry kind of year that we have ahead of us. Apart from those fiery influxes of Jupiter and uh, some of the watery blessings that are going to be coming from Venus through Pisces later, and then the realistic blessings of Venus going through uh, Virgo later in the year to square that Jupiter. Mm. Um, It's a pretty earthy, grounding, practical year. Um, So uh, get ready for tax season and pay it on time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already thinking about that. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Well, one of those 
Yes. Just got to do it. Just got to do it. I know. Well, I felt with uh, Venus and Jupiter for me particularly, because um, <clears throat> it was happening in my second house, I had consultations out the wazoo, you know. Mm. Th- thank you for all that booked with me. Um, but I did more consultations than I've ever done <laughs> before in one day on that Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I took the day. That's funny you said quiet because the next day I was like, okay, this is my day. This is my day. <laughs> like, you know, recap my own energy. Um, but you know, second house, obviously that was, that helped, that helped me out financially, which is something that I needed in that moment. So the stars certainly did align and it does happen to trine my Mercury and Jupiter as well. So it it was nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So now I guess we, because Jack and I could just wax poetic about anything forever forever and ever. Let's get to Mercury. Yeah. We do have a lot to say about Mercury. So (laughs) as there should be lots to say about Mercury because basically Mercury (laughs) is governing everything Jack and I are doing right now to some extent. Um, Well, 100%. And he's very happy in in these air signs. Mercury and the air get along very well. Air and Earth are absolutely Mercury's uh, preferred signs to be in for their respective uh, yang and yin energies. Uh, fire and water can definitely tend to uh, excite the more uh, challenging aspects of Mercury. Um, and that's where he, of course, finds his uh, detriment and fall in Pisces, in some nice water, and his detriment in Sagittarius. These are the other movable signs in his least preferred elements. And so Mercury already moves plenty. So the stillness of, the stillness of Earth and the... Uh, uh, the movable but not trans- not necessarily as transformative nature of air works really well for Mercury to do his job, which is encoding and communicating. Mercury takes whatever the intention, whatever our light of, uh, of purpose is, and encodes it in a way so as to communicate it to other people, whether that's through uh, language, numbers, um, or even... I, Venus is the creative force of art, but when art speaks with poetry, there's almost always some sort of mercurial connection in there. And uh, this is what Mercury loves to do. Now, when suddenly Mercury uh, is uh, too connected to emotion, which is not something that Mercury usually... His emotions are communicated without words. Mm. Uh, they are cre- uh, communicated through vibes. That becomes somewhere where Mercury has to either, in Pisces, get really poetic to talk around what he means, <laughs> um, or he, uh, you know, the, the tangential nature of Mercury gets very, very, everything starts to dissolve into different tangents, which is similar to Sag in that many tangents are formed, but those tangents feel more like, uh, uh, more like when the kettle gets boiling and the lid starts to rattle and you have steam like spurting off in different directions from the lid. It's a, it's a much more sort of frenetic tangent than, uh, than sort of getting dreamily lost, John. What was I saying in Pisces? Yeah. <laughs> what was that again? What did I just say? That stream of consciousness that, you know, Pisces can go with. Um, because, you know, Mercury is that reasoning function or that's the idea of it is, and that's where emotions come in. You know, we don't, normally associate emotional content with reason and logic. It's usually the, you know, opposite to some extent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I thought we would start with a little little storytelling time, you know, as far as the myth of Mercury or the myth of Hermes, because Hermes is Mercury in in the Greek tradition. And so Mercury, the name is is a Roman name. But all right, Mac, you ready for some story time? I am. Are you ready? Tell me a story, Mel, and then I'll tell one. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll break within the story so we can kind of talk about it a little bit. Um, But okay, so how did Mercury even come into this world, our friend Hermes? Well, he was born from Zeus and Maya, who Maya is one of the Pleiades, um, part of of that. He was born in a cave on Mount Selene in Arcadia. And so Mercury in in true fashion. And so let's keep this in mind as I talk about these kind of myth things, because it really does play into the planet itself. Um, And so when Mercury was born in this cave, he was basically not like any other newborns. He could already speak. He could already walk. He was very precocious. And so within hours of birth, he basically left the cave, ventured out on his own, you know, to wander the world. And he, 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 the first thing he did was to go and play a trick on his stepbrother, Apollo, which is very interesting because Apollo is the, the god of the sun too. So when we talk about Mercury's cycle later, this is kind of an interesting little facet that gets there. So basically, he, he saw Apollo. Apollo was doing some things. He wasn't at work. He was like slacking off, whatever. He's like, I'm going to play a trick on this guy. Keep in mind, he's born like a couple hours ago. So there is this like really, there, that's a quickness right there and, and very smart and intelligent. And so he decides to play a trick on Apollo by hiding his herd of cows, which he is to be tending, but does not. Um, and, you know, one of the strengths of Mercury is that you know, it's easy to steal something, right? Theft is easy, but the hard mm-hmm. part is, you know, leave not to leave clues. <laughs> so he had to be very, very careful with how he could pull this off, but he did. Um, and of course he got away with it. And that's when Zeus gave him the name of God, the God of thieves and liars. And and, and I know that sounds extreme, but we're talking about this precocious child here. And it's kind of funny yeah. because it really was only the last, um, it was the last like space you could take as far as being a god in Olympus. There are already 11. There's only one left. And that was the god of thieves and liars that no one wanted. <laughs> and so it was kind of like given to the youngest, which Mercury is always kind of associated with that younger um, vibe as well. So we're seeing some, you know, we're seeing that he's kind of sneaky, he's precocious, he can speak and walk before anybody else can, he likes to play tricks, he can get away with them. And so oh, yeah. what, do you, what do you think of that out the gate? Well, I think that there's also a really fun poetic uh, relationship there to the old phrase, uh, uh, you know, the tendency to kill the messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, when the messenger showed up on the scene, he got the short end of the stick. It was the only stick left. So there. <laughs> That's funny. But he made lem- he made lemonade out of those lemons, didn't he? Because he even did. though he played a trick and he therefore got a sign that short end of the stick, in the same breath, at the same time, he took a short tortoise shell and made the liar. And uh, upon the whole thing coming to a head, and Zeus and Apollo taking one side, and Hermes's mother. Uh, uh, Mercury's mother, Maya, taking uh, his side because she didn't, she didn't believe that he could have done it. Uh, Mercury gives the liar to Apollo, who then accepts his uh, atonement for what he did. And he actually ends up giving Apollo one of his primary symbols, which is the liar. So it's sort of uh, this wonderful uh, uh, 
this wonderful archetype of how the way we communicate can come to identify how people see us uh, beyond just who we are and, and uh, what our intention is, the purity of our essence, uh, something that, can, uh, that uh, reflects the way in which we communicate can come to be how people remember us or know us by. Yes, that's a really good point because, you know, that is our vehicle of expression, essentially, and that is what Mercury is facilitating here. And so I love that you bring up the liar that, you know, so basically he made the liar from, because uh, he was able to coax a turtle out of its shell. Out of its shell. No. Out of its shell. And then he had the sinew of the cows because he sacrificed two of Apollo's cows, so he made that. But to twist that around and... It, and show another facet that Mercury is known for. And maybe a lot of people, or a lot of, uh, you know, especially beginning astrologers might not associate with him this as much. But so basically uh, Mercury or Hermes gave Apollo that liar to be like, okay, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. Here's to make up for it. And then he immediately made himself uh, a little fluke, you know, because he's clever. He's he's. Mm-hmm. Those, he's very ingenious. And so he made a little flute out of uh, some reeds. And then Apollo was like, what's that? How, I, I want that too. He's like, I'll give you my golden staff, you know, to first he's like gave the herd to him. But then he was like, oh, I'll give you my golden staff to get that, that flute. And Hermes was like, uh-uh, this flute is worth way more than your golden <laughs> staff. I don't think so. And so we're already seeing Mercury as being able to, trade and do business and to negotiate with people because he was like, okay, so no, that's not worth it. But you know, if you do teach me how to predict the future, um, which was a trait that was given to Apollo by, by the three eye, uh, which are these bee nymphs, um, then he would trade that out. But Apollo didn't have the authority to do so. So in order to learn the art of prophecy, which Mercury later did, um, he went to the, the three eye and then studied under him. So, so studied under them. So here we're also seeing the theme of education and learning come up. And haggling. Homeboy can haggle and deal, yes. yes. <laughs> Where are you looking at a, tra- you know, a trader, a businessman, a negotiator? These are very mercurial um, traits. And of course, that staff ultimately becomes the, uh, the basis upon which Mercury forms the caduceus, his primary uh, device when he's depicted in art in classical, uh, from the classical period. And of course, the caduceus is the staff with two intertwining snakes that is even still today the medical symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, and who has to go through more schooling than a doctor these days? Not very many people. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely part of it, I would sure, definitely say. Um, well, and it's interesting part of that staff with his uh, kind of, because how, because he, Zeus gave him that staff. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing with myths too, we have to keep in mind that there's so many variations of them too. So even as we give them to you here today, you know, right. there's always, there's so many twists on them. Um, but so basically what happened is that Zeus, because um, Mercury at that point asked to be the God of security and divine properties on Olympus. So we're, we're actually seeing more business take place here and like actually, you know, properties. And um, so it makes me think of realtors and things along those lines. Mm -hmm. And so Zeus was like, okay, well, I'll give you that uh, as long as you vow to never lie again. And so Mercury said, he was like, well, I'll I'll vow to never lie again. However, I'm not entirely sure uh, that I will always be able to tell the truth. 
And so you can see this gray area between, you know. <laughs> massively gray. You're massively gray. It's like, I might not be lying, but yeah, it might not always be exact truth. And so uh, that's when Zeus gave him the, the magical staff, like you're talking about with the caduceus, the two snakes intertwined with it. Because what it, those two snakes represented life and death and Olympus in, in hell, which is another facet of Mercury uh, who became a, a psychopomp for the guide of souls. So he was assigned to be the messenger to Hades. So he's the only God that would go between, you know, the, the earth or Olympus and down into that underworld. And so that's kind of a place for, you can oversee the creative process there because basically, you know, that's conscious and unconscious realm. He's going in between those two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And even uh, connecting uh, to uh, the Christian myth, as uh, the Christian astrologers William Lilly would be want to do, the um, I mean the snake of knowledge that that teaches, I mean that gives that gives the gift of knowledge to Adam and Eve is of course uh, the, like in the Bible the devil uh, itself, and uh, it's the snake playing that dual role of um, being both uh, the source of knowledge and also the the source of knowledge being the temptation to behave against one's best uh, or, or uh, what what is best for oneself. Mm. Um, the art of communication uh, diluting or disturbing um, the purity of one's intentions, perhaps. Yeah, yes. And so, well, that's the thing is we just talked about that, that the gray area where it's like, I vow not to lie, but I can never be quite sure to tell the truth. Um, <laughs> and... You know, that's so that brings us back to the idea of him being the patron of trade, uh, the patron of passage of all wayfarers, any travelers. You know, we're seeing um, uh, him as so basically, he was able to help merchants and traders and to be able to advise them um, on their, you know, best prices, how to haggle, how to be eloquent and loquacious with how, you know, because we're talking about a fast talker here. And that's very much a salesperson. You know, Mercury can sell anything to anybody at any time. You know, that ketchup popsicle, as they say. Um, And so that plays there. Absolutely. And that also uh, really uh, plays into uh, another topic that we had been discussing earlier, which is the difference of Mercury in traditional and modern astrological significations. Mm. And in modern astrology, we have a great handle on Mercury, the, the symbol for the mind, bringer of thoughts, how do we speak, communicate, um, how and when should we write, what should we focus our attention on, uh, our mental focus on at this time of year versus that time of year. But the whole mercantile exchange, the whole connection to commerce um, had been forgotten a little bit. And Mercury and Saturn together are different angles on the two different uh, abilities of people to uh, participate in trade and commerce. The Saturian aspect, of course, being more um, slow-moving and contractual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mercury also having to do with contracts, but more about where the, where's the fine print? What, how is this, where are the loopholes in the fine print and what are the specifics of what, of what I can and cannot do here in this, in this so-called binding contract? Yeah. Uh, which is definitely something that's going to be playing into the 29th and this Mercury Kazemi because we have it happening again in Aquarius. Mm. So this is going to be a great time if you have, uh, you need to review some, contracts and some fine print. If you need to set a date 
with your lawyer or set a date with your business partner to review papers. Even setting a date counts as an election, counts as a choice, initiating that, uh, that pattern of energy that's going to unfold. So even if it's impractical for uh, one to, you know, meet with their lawyer at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on the 29th, uh, between that and uh, about 2.30 in the morning the next day, you can still send the email to set the date. You can still uh, draw up a draft yourself. You can still review letters and uh, so setting plans for the future and document review are at the top of my list of things to go through during this wonderful Kazemi opportunity, especially with the massive Pisces retrograde period that we're about to hit uh, upcoming with Mercury. There's going to be a lot of uh, miscommunication, failed communication, unclear or deceptive communication. Mm -hmm. At his best, right? Yes. <laughs> I know. We got to use this time in Aquarius to kind of uh, tap into the, the, the more... They're all useful. All the functions are useful in some way, right? But, you know, yeah. as far as what you're saying, especially future planning and, and, and reaching out for communication around things that are coming... Uh, to be, you know, this would be a wonderful time to do that with Aquarius. And especially once we get into Pisces, because, you know, one of the other things about Mercury, you know, is he's able to, you know, go back and forth with verbally here. And he is representing that, that uh, space of reason. Um, Sometimes his reason is a little dishonest because, you know, Mercury isn't so much into telling the truth as he is into saying something pleasing and entertaining and like something that, you know, and you know, that how big was the fish kind of story. Like, right. I totally find my, you know, Mercury and Leo, I am so that like, I will embellish if it makes a good story because that's the thing <laughs> with Mercury is it doesn't necessarily hurt someone. If I'm not hurting someone in the process, why not, you know, like just... Why not be the life of the party, Leo? Why not be the life party? Why not make that fish just a little bit bigger? (laughs) And that's a great point, Mel. You know, there are positive ways, of course, to use the detriment or fall Mercury in Pisces. And I mean, some of those ways would include uh, planning a a surprise party. If you got some people that have some wonderful uh, birthdays coming up or uh, anything to celebrate, anything that's going to be done in secret or that will require you to dodge around talking about the light of truth, uh, could be (laughs) handled at this time. Uh, Or, um, yeah, I... Especially because he's going to be crossing over that handy dandy Neptune. Yes. Of course, we know Mercury loves Neptune. Like, they get along so well. Yeah. I'm being totally sarcastic, Louis, that can't see my face. Yeah. Well, we learned that in the last Mercury yeah. retrograde. It <laughs> 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 was square Neptune. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So, even a continuation of, of things that were happening then that are going to be repeated now, especially with Jupiter and his home sign connecting that. Uh, connecting Pisces and Sag even more than they are usually. Um, Because he'll be also squaring Jupiter again at the same time he's moving over and across, back and forth again over Neptune. So many expansive factors here. I would definitely expect there to be, um, on a a grand scale, uh, a lot of things that appear like they might be getting better or, or 
things that sound way too good to be true. And uh, I think that will certainly come come to pass that it will in fact be too good to be true. To be true, yeah. Especially with with Pisces, there is that the ideal haze that might come around the, there. You know, the facts aren't as clear. If they're if Mercury can bend them, there he's really bending them in Pisces or can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. What's also interesting about Mercury, because, I mean, this really plays into just Mercury in general. He's, like, holding all these hats, really, you know? He's wearing all these things. Um, And really is a testament to Mercury itself just being involved in everything, meddling wherever he could, you know, kind of thing. It's like your your nosy neighbor or the busybody. I know this is a very Mercury type of uh, personality. But, you know, there's also things like he's the god that... Uh, he's known as the inventor of racing, you know, with his winged sandal shoes that could go as fast as anything through the air, um, which also was the shoes that helped take him, uh, you know, in and out of Hades, like being able to access that area. Uh, He was also the protector of herds, which is funny with shepherds because... Because they thought, they're like, okay, now I know that he's really good at stealing things. So it's better to put him as the protector of my herd because otherwise he may rob me and take my herd. And I thought that was so funny because it really sounds like the mob, doesn't it? Like to some extent. Oh yeah. Like, yes, it does sound a bit like the mob. Yes. Like pay me or you might have a fire. Like, yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, on another positive note, um, I just want to say because you do notice these things when you uh, do work in in a field such as teaching yoga and uh, are active in meditation circles and things like that, is that when Mercury enters um, the waters of Pisces, this really poetic place, and when he makes contact with Neptune, one of the better ways, one of the more efficient ways to utilize this energy of things happening in secret or behind the scenes is to delve into your meditative practice, is to go on a spiritual journeying because Mercury has access to all these subconscious places that are in the shadows, and it actually could result in some really wonderful ability to communicate or create um, art based on the enlightening experiences one has through a prayerful meditation practice or uh, through ceremony, if you are someone that performs ritual, um, or even, you know, if you're more of an average Joe on the street, like, take me to church, Mercury, like, take me to church. Yeah. Um, uh, And he also uh, was considered one of the gods of good fortune in Roman and Greek literature, which I thought was interesting. But, you know, it makes sense in, in the fact that if you're the first one that has the fresh news that puts you in a really great position for your own personal fortune and for your own um, choices to be made in alignment with the most up-to-date information. Mm. Well, and so a couple of things are coming to mind within what you were saying. Well, let me just say real quick, as we're talking about Mercury and Pisces and the, the retrograde, just so you know when that's even going to happen, that's going to be in uh, East Station Mar- retrograde on March 5th and will be retrograde until March 28th. So this is kind of the period uh, that we're just referencing there. But I totally agree, right? This is another facet. You know, Mercury is what he is in each sign. You know, there are positive things that can be done there, especially retrograde. Like I have a feeling we're all going to kind of have those spiritual download moments why that's happening in Pisces because it's there's Pisces is infinite in many ways and so I think a lot of things are just going to 
infiltrate in where, cause there is no barrier. And so, you know, whether you want to look at it or not, we'll be for, you know, you'll, you'll get that insight or whatever that spiritual download might be, or maybe what it is you have to tr- transcend because it's a very Piscean quality as well as to be able to move beyond something. And so perhaps that's part of uh, what is happening there or will be, but we'll have to hold space for that because we do have a couple months to go before we're there. <laughs> but I like it. I like it. So now we talk, I know it's, mm-hmm. it'll be here before we know it. And that's how, that's how these things work. And so, yeah, no, we're looking at Mercury as, so we've seen him as the, the merchant, the trader, the negotiator. We've seen him as the trickster. We've seen him um, where, you know, sometimes he can irritate others because he's always playing jokes on them, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Uh, he stole Cupid's bow. He stole Neptune's trident, Aphrodite's girdle. Just for the hell of it, you know. Um, and he's on all of the gifts. I mean, like he has his handles in a little bit of everybody's business and a little bit of everybody's powers. Because how do you do any of the other? How do you do any significations of any of the planets without some form of communication? Mercury is like always there. That sneaky little little effer. He is right there up in everybody's junk uh, and has his hand on everything. Like there, you think it's just Venus and then suddenly, oh, there's Mercury help, like communicating that love. They're uh, uh, encoding that creative intention into a project. Yes, absolutely. And so it is always there. And, and the thing with Mercury and what we're seeing here, because he lives in those kind of two different realms, you know, even down to the unconscious and the conscious is that it's sometimes hard to tell Mercury's intention of what it might be, especially a very mercurial person. Um, And he could be, and it will take the smartest of people to be able to see that because, you know, there's some people that are out there that are incredibly mercurial and they are up to tricks. And one in particular, I don't know if you've watched um, this, uh, Jack, but it's kind of all over the place now with both Hulu and Netflix are these, the fire festival. The fire festival. Yes. Fire Island. Yes. So uh, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it was a festival that was supposed to take place on the Bahamas. This guy, Billy McFarlane put it together with a, you know, a team of other people, but he was like the guy running behind it. And it turned out to be an absolute disaster. And I was watching this, <laughs> these docu- I watched both documentaries. And of course, I had to look up his chart, right? It's so, it's such a fascinating event that I would love to write an article about it if I can get some time under my belt. But man, he, I was like, where's his Mercury, number one? And so when I look at his chart, he has Mercury conjunct the sun, it combust, you know, we're not talking about Kazemi here, it's not close enough, um, in Sagittarius. So here we're looking at this larger than life, you know, like mm-hmm. we're gonna have this, 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 this. How's it gonna happen? I don't know. We're just gonna, you know, like he was trading money out, like getting money in, and then he'd have to like get more money to cover other money. You know, these are very type, you know. And mm-hmm. it's funny because when he put out the actual um the first uh, advertisement that went out with all the social media influencers, that was when Mercury was conjunct. Pluto and Capricorn. So we started, a, you know, we started a cycle here. And so where was Mercury the day the fire festival started? Well, it was retrograde and conjunct Uranus in Aries. Perfect. Perfect. There's so much symbolism to that whole story and Mercury, because even once he was caught and all this happened and it was like a big, like, uh, you know, even he still did another business 
Like while he was in in trial, he did another sneaky business that he ended up getting caught for. And so this is like, this is one of those funny little mercuries at play. And like part of me doesn't even think he realizes because that's just how he works. He's, he's knows that he's, he's brilliant. That's the thing is he's brilliant in many ways, but Mm -hmm. he just wasn't able to execute that. And I, he just seemed like one of those perfect mercurial, you know, um, (laughs) figures to some extent. And it was so interesting, too, because I did watch those documentaries, how he Mercury has an intention that seems inscrutable. And I think that Mercury actually often doesn't know his intention necessarily. Um, the, he, he's so mutable and so changing that uh, when one is very mercurial, I think that I know this has been true for, uh, for me with such heavy Mercury influences. We really have to go very deep within and clarify and almost choose because there are so many different tides and so many different winds blowing in so many different directions. You have to sort of like pick which one to hit your sail to and just ride it out for a while. And this, this poor, this poor white privileged man, I don't know that he he ever felt the need as a young person to ever hitch himself to a more meaningful wind. And so he was still to this day, I mean, he's in jail now, but only for six years. And people from his company, people that uh, worked under him that were kept completely in the dark, that were totally, for better, uh, for lack of a better term, innocent, um, are now having to pay off a majority of his debts because they've already prosecuted him to the full extent of the law, so to speak. I mean, uh, uh, talk about a hard to pin down. Uh, um, one of the uh, one of the documentaries ended with you know I don't think this is the last we'll see of this particular criminal when he gets out and I have to admit that I'm that I must agree just as Mercury you know his last his last crime certainly wasn't stealing a herd of cattle from the sun um, and, and we should look for, <laughs> look at the future and see what. Uh, this fellow does the future fire island, if you will. Yeah, that's a great point, and that's exactly what you know. Uh, Stu, my 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 man, he said the same thing. He was like, "That's not going to stop anybody because the second he gets out of you know prison, there's going to be some business that's like, I like your style. You can sell anything to anybody at you know no matter what, and and you're able to like." fundraise and get this money when you need it. And he just has that hustle because that's a very mercurial thing too, is the, being able to, to have that hustle. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. We're going to see this guy again. And it might not be up in, in, in front, but some company is going to snatch that up because at the bottom, at the end of the day, there's a genius quality to how he pulled all that off. And yes, 100%. <laughs> So, all right. Well, we've talked about some myths. Let's talk about a little about, about cycle. Like how mm-hmm. Mercury doing in the sky? What, Jack, what's he doing? Well, Mercury <laughs> uh, is, uh, has some wonderful traits in, in terms of his cycle that really help us to differentiate in a really refined way uh, what he represents in our chart for us. Mercury has the most variable speed of any planet. He... Uh, uh, well, arguably Mars, because Mars can move much, much more slowly than Mercury. But Mercury has the most variable speed with the most frequency of variation. Hmm. Um, he uh, can go the fastest of any planetoid except the moon. Um, and he can slow way, way down to, of course, like the stations. Uh, he also can go as far away from 28 degrees from the sun, but can have cycles in which he is... Well, right, like right now, he's less than 15 degrees away from the sun as his point of maximum extension. 
Uh, so uh, these different qualities, the speed, first of all, r- relates to uh, the efficacy of one's own Mercury. If you were to look at your own chart or look at the chart for an event, when Mercury is faster, he's going to be hyper-effective, uh, better at doing uh, whatever he, his significations are for that chart, of course, considering his needs with giving that sign and, uh, and house placement. Uh, he also goes through the underworld several times, the most out of any planet. He goes, again, that to and from the underworld. While Venus has a wonderful rebirth cycle through the underworld, uh, like we saw earlier this year with her retrograde cycle, um, Mercury's is, is a little bit less of a rebirthal and more about a dive down into the, into the depths to reemerge pretty quick with some new info. Mm. I mean, he spends no more than, uh, I mean, a full retrograde period takes him in and then out again. We, uh, uh, he go, I mean, he goes in and then reemerges on the other side into one realm or the other, again, within less than 21 days. Yeah. So this is, this is, again, a super fast retrograde period versus, I mean, think of uh, starting with the outer planets, Jupiter and uh, Saturn, they have retrograde periods that are over, they're like a third of the year. They're retrograde like 30% of the time plus. Mm. And uh, then compare that also to the other inner planets, uh, Venus and Mars, they have much more infrequent retrogrades. So he has this really, um, he has this unique part of his cycle where he spends uh, about 20% of his time in retrograde, give or take, but he's in and out so often that it's really spread out and interdispersed. Um, and uh, the other planets, when they go uh, backwards and they have to take things into consideration, they do so for a long period of time, but it's in one chunk of time. So Mercury is darting in and out and in and out. And this could be something that could, will, uh, well, it does trip up a lot of people when we're younger and we're trying to get a handle on our mental process and how we work and how do our classmates work and how do we deal with information. But it's also... Uh, speaks to the flexibility of the mind and neuroplasticity. Mm. You know, the first thing that we can change in order to change the way our life looks is to change our intention and to change our mindset. And by changing that first, we can then build upon uh, actualizing change in the other areas of life. So do definitely take heart in that. Anyone that's looking to facilitate change, change yourself first in the mind and clarify your intention and then allow the other slower cycles to build upon that because that is, uh, the universe has already told us through the symbology of astrology that that is uh, the way to enact possibly the fastest change. Mm. Um, And uh, while there might be moments in the sky where you can jump in on other parts of other cycles to facilitate powerful changes, the mind is, is something that we can always turn to at any time and say, things are, are moving pretty fast. I want some change now. Link into that. Mm, I love that. That's, that's a great, there, those are a lot of great points there, Jack. And to play, <laughs> well, and to play into what you're saying there and the fact that, um, like we were talking about also earlier, how he is that messenger that goes between, you know, our land and then down into Hades. Uh, because if Mercury's direct 80% of the time, 
you know, because it's only in those three month periods. So basically the mind is very functional. It's moving forward. It's being productive. Um, you know, there's not much contemplation going on when it's moving direct, but when it retrogrades back, you know, whatever issues have been lying dormant, um, especially in that unconscious realm, you know, if we think about that more Hades underworld journey, uh, now those start to bubble up for integration. And those are where the, the changes of mind, uh, happen that you were just talking about where we can make great strides mentally because now all these things that haven't been, either they've been pushed aside and we're like, we'll deal with that later, or maybe we didn't even know we needed to deal with it, but it then bubbles up at that time. That's why it's so, you know, we can almost liken that to, to a very Plutonian type of, uh, you know, change in the mind. So I like that a lot for what you were saying. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically, Mercury cycle is only about 116 days total for what it does, and in the cycle actually starts at the inferior conjunction when when Mercury is retrograde and conjunct the Sun, where the conjunction that we're having this week that Jack was talking a lot about earlier that is the superior uh, mm-hmm. conjunction. So technically, that's about halfway through Mercury's cycle. But you know what I found interesting, uh, Jack, was the way you know it took the ancients a little while to figure out what Mercury and Venus's deal was in the sky because, you know, they didn't have the things that we have now. So they would see them either rise as a morning star or, you know, set as an evening star. And so they actually thought that Mercury and Venus both were like two planets in themselves because they didn't really, they're like, how did you get on the other side of the sun that quick? And so it took, you know, it took some time to realize why that is. But really with all retrograde planets in general, what, what, all things that all, the thread that holds all retrograde planets together, no matter if they're inferior or superior, is that's when they're the closest to the earth. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's when it's the closest to us. And that's where we're talking about this internal type of, you know, we can get, we, that's the, you know, we can reach out and touch it better than we can at any other time, personally. So fascinating stuff. Well said, darling. Yes. <laughs> this Mercury. So now, <laughs> I do think it's also also interesting to know and to remember the uh, the Saturn Kazemi the Sun that happened earlier this year mm-hmm. because uh, you know having Saturn in Cap and uh, and this year means that less than four weeks ago we had uh, Saturn Kazemi the Sun itself and now we're going to get Mercury Kazemi. That's uh, the sun. So uh, it really links those principles together very closely. Uh, For me, this particular cycle, and this is not always how it happens by any stretch of the imagination. Um, uh, And uh, Mercury being ruled by Saturn, of course, in Aquarius right now, that really uh, ties together the litigious and the mercantile aspect uh, and also the legal aspect. I would definitely take a peek at anything... um, uh, any legal matters that have been pressing uh, for you in your life. Um, and uh, and I, I know I joked about tax season earlier, but really also <laughs> make sure to check out your taxes, especially with the, uh, the upcoming uh, hard skies of the end of 2019 and 2020. We want to make sure that we have settled as many debts as possible mm. and that we have clarified what we're on the hook for. Uh, 
both in terms of the the Saturnian reality of uh, the letter of the law and the judge and the mercurial ability to fine tune things and word things. That's still something that we have power over as long as we do so in the future. Um, so definitely uh, look into the way one is phrasing things. Mm, yes, those are all excellent points because you know it's all this conjunction is coming back to Saturn essentially, um, and Saturn wants to get down to business. Mm-hmm. Reality of it all. Look at you know what are what are we looking at here? Um, so there is a kind of coming down to earth within this Kazemi as well. It's like it's like being in the sky but being in the earth, like the simultaneous realm where we can kind of see those futures, but we can actually kind of bring it down in this real way. And it's good to cover you know all put all those ducks in a row, like you were saying, um, especially with what is coming up here, and especially with tax season because we're going to have a nice chunk of tax season. Uh, with Mercury in Pisces. So just... Absolutely. <laughs> and while, uh, while Saturn is still actually in aversion to Aquarius in Capricorn, this could be a last chance to sort of, you know, literally dot your I's and cross your T's mercurially in preparation for when Saturn eventually next year moves into Aquarius and starts to move, o- move over these points, uh, at which point the rule of Saturn, if you haven't enacted or done your due diligence by the time he makes it over any critical points for you, uh, it's too late. Saturn needs, needs a lot of forward planning and, att- and attention to detail in the long term or else, uh, well, you haven't done what you need to do in the last year. Well, that's, that's still not quite long enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's a great way (laughs) of putting it. So (laughs) keep that in mind, people, as we're moving forward here, now might be the time to look at those things. Um, so, all right. So now I think we were going to close it out with just kind of looking at Mercury, um, in, in general, in, in the chart. And I wanted to pull from, uh, because Demetra George just put out a wonderful book, that a lot of us have been waiting for for a while. It's called Ancient Astrology. Um, and it is really the star her first... I know, <laughs> Jack's holding his heart because he, <laughs> he's holding that heart space for Demetra. Um, but this is really her life's work and this is the first volume of it. It's super exciting. And I just happen to be reading on some of the... I happen to be reading on gender of planets, the quadruplicity of planets, and the triplicity of planets. And she gave some wonder, like wonderful little quips about Mercury that I thought we'd maybe discuss here um, yes. to help get to help you understand your own mercury other people's mercury and maybe not in the typical you know cookbook fashion of mercury and pisces means this so we're going to put it together in a different way all right so gender gender hot topic of debate for <laughs> for uh, which i've had on here too but in in typical terms you know we're looking at masculine signs are the fire and air signs right uh, and then the feminine signs are the water and earth signs. And so what uh, Demetra was saying was the, that Mercury in the masculine sign is a quick thinker and a fast talker, where Mercury in the feminine sign is going to take longer to formulate what they have to say and to communicate their thoughts. But there also is the possibility that they will be better considered. <laughs> So what do you think about that? Me and you both have these fast Mercury. No, you have the slower Mercury because you're well, so smart, uh, right? Mercury had just 
finish the retrograde period. Um, so unless I make it to my 90s, I'll never experience a progressed retrograde Mercury. Oh, interesting. I'm one of those few people. Um, uh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Mercury. <laughs> uh, oh, I love that, Jack, because really we're on the other side. So if you were born right after Mercury went direct, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so your Mercury's slow, though, right? Uh, it started slow, at, and its current progression is moving very fast. Yes. Um, but it, what, at, at my inception, it's, it's slow and it's in the middle decade of Taurus. So. And, <laughs> and so I'm on the other side. So I was born right before Mercury went retrograde. So mm. in my chart, my Mercury is also slow, but it was right before the, you know, the retrograde was to take place. So I've already done that progress dance in, in my chart. Um, <laughs> but I just thought that was interesting. So, you know, if you have Mercury in an air or a fire sign, chances are you're going to have that, you know, you're going to get it out the gate a little bit faster. You might skip some steps some details of, <laughs> you know, you might fly yeah. by the seat of your pants with your Mercury a little bit, which I know that I do, um, you know, but it's also kind of my strength. Um, and so, I mean, Mercury and Taurus, what do, what do you, or well, Mercury and Taurus, um, does know how to slow down sometimes, but, um, Taurus being the slowest sign, uh, Mercury and Taurus can sometimes, uh, the, the, how slow Taurus is can cause Mercury to be a little uncertain and then sort of occasionally sputter forth, uh, and babble. There, there can be a little bit of luxurious babbling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> luxurious, how Taurus. Um, yeah. uh, but I do think that the Earth signs are probably Mercury's most effective. Um, I, I mean, apart from the, the Gemini and uh, Virgo uh, rulership and then double rulership exaltation in Virgo, uh, the earth signs are where Mercury can be most realistically effective in communication um, because it is grounded, but it's not overly emotional. Mm. It's like practical communication and it's just slow enough where the thoughts can be formulated or the words can be put in order before they come flying out the mouth. Um, in the air signs, Mercury also ha- is able to string together excellent arguments, is able to craft uh, uh, wonderful documents and tell stories, but there is that heat of uh, of speed and of speech of masculine energy that makes it just a little more, um, well, you know, a little more, a little more playful, a little more uh, tricky on the tongue, uh, and I think that that can definitely uh, result in the more youthful uh, stories of Mercury from myth, mm-hmm. uh, the more. Uh, the more trickster, spontaneous, I know less my own uh, intention kind of Mercury stylings. Mm, yes, very. In, it's, it's fascinating, <laughs> really all of it. So, you know, it, okay, so we have the gender. We're kind of going, is it going fast or is it going slow? We're going to break that down, right? Sure. Now with quadruplicity, that's when we're looking at, you know, you might know that as... Um, Cardinal, fixed, modality, cardinal, fixed, mutable, um, or uh, tropical, solid, and bicorporal, or um, double-bodied, if we're talking about mutable mutable here. And so what Demetra said um, from her fabulous book is that Mercury in a tropical sign may initiate action upon an idea, 
but at some point along the way stops before completing the action and shifts to a different idea. So here we're talking about Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. Now, Mercury in a solid sign will stay the course, uh, focusing diligently until the project is done. So here we're talking about these fixed signs, which are Taurus, which we have Jack has, Leo, myself, (laughs) uh, Scorpio, and then Aquarius, where we're going to have this uh, Kazemi point. So there is that, you know, being able to stay on course focus ourselves uh, and take something, you know, to completion. Now, Mercury in the the bicorporal sign or that mutable sign will consider various options and alternatives, uh, but may become distracted by other things that present themselves, which may or may not be incorporated into the original, you know, idea or what you're playing with in your mind, but will eventually, but they will eventually end up more or less where they intended, even though if they get like swayed along the way. And so there were we're looking at Gemini and Virgo, which are both Mercury's mm-hmm. signs, um, Sagittarius and Pisces, which are both their detriments. So I thought that was very fascinating altogether to, you know. It is. And I, you got to love the way Demetra articulates things so specifically in her writing. I just, what, what a goddess she is. Um, but it is absolutely fascinating to think about how Mercury is most effective when he is most mutable and also least effective when most mutable. Yeah. Uh, you have <laughs> quadruplicity of like great of exaltation and rulership as well as detriment and fall all in one quadru- quadruplicity. No other planet has that as their functionality. Um, and so, uh, I I mean, Jupiter has has his detriment in both qualities of mutable of the mutable, but of course, his fall is in the cardinal, is in Cap, right? So you have that extra quality of Jupiter. Uh, I think that uh, the other two quadruplicities, the fixed and then the cardinal, um, can uh, can each uh, definitely need to be looked at in in the context of a chart. for whatever other factors of mitigation or detriment are present. But I think that there's also a lot of, again, it is the mind. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that the East has taught us is that, uh, the, uh, that the mind is the first thing that can be brought under, not under control, but can be brought into stillness through practices. And uh, Yogananda, um, uh, the famous uh, guru, he, uh, he was a, he, he didn't study astrology in the sense that he was an astrologer, but his guru was a very famous Vedic astrologer from back in the day. And uh, Yogananda was uh, quoted as saying on several occasions that part of our life's, uh, part of our purpose uh, in life is to be able to transcend the limitations of uh, the stars or to transcend the problems that we are self-aware of because of our charts. And while... Uh, some of his students subsequently said, you know, I think that when, when people do tr- transcend in this lifetime, they end up looking like the best version of their chart. Sure. Um, that still is a transcendence of, of difficult applications to problem areas. Um, and to remember that just because we have a naturally excitable Mercury or because we have a Mercury that seems landlocked, if you will, if you're encased by malefics and in, and in like the stillness of Scorpio or like, uh, that there are uh, that the power of free will is still ours to wield, and the first place that it manifests 
apparent manifestations is the mind. mind. Uh, so just throw a little, a little bit of the East in there. No, a little, I love a little, it. A little turmeric, a little, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and we, you know, we've kind of come back to this a couple of times in this conversation about the power of the mind. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly it, it gets a lot of things done uh, and it's our viewpoint, you know, it's our binoculars into the world to some extent. Um, and so it, yes, yes. That's all I have to say. Yes. 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 Jupiter is in Sagittarius. So yes. Um, yes to everything. Yes. <laughs> yes to everything. All right. So our last little bit here. So if we've talked about gender, we've talked about quadruplicity. So then we have triplicity, which is basically our elements, you know? Um, so planets in fire signs, she says are compelled to take the action that they do, you know, that that's, Part of it, you know, the mind is very active or it's deciding on those actions. Um, fire signs, Aries, Leo, and uh, Sagittarius. And then the earth signs perform their actions in a matter of fact manner. Like you were saying earlier, Jack, like they can really, you know, formulate the matter of factly what they have to say and can do so succinctly. Um, so, you know, the, that Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, Mercury, they're going to have that more matter of fact manner in speech. Now, the air signs are going to act on the basis um, of future possibilities and potentials, much like you were saying earlier there too. Gemini, um, Libra, and Aquarius, you know, that mind is focused more on what's coming up. What's the future? What's the potential here? Let's get these ideas flowing. Um, and then our water signs of ca- uh, Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces, that Mercury mind is more dependent upon someone or something else. There's another outside factor to be merged with in some way. And so I found that very interesting too. Like, So if I were to like just look at my own within this. So I have a, yeah. fast, I have a masculine Mercury in, in Leo. Mm-hmm. So it's a quick thinker and a fast talker. It's a solid sign. So it stays the course and focuses diligently on the project to be done. Like us doing the 38th episode of this podcast, (laughs) carrying along. Um, And then it's compelled to take the action that it does. Like it's fired up to go that, that well, that way and stick the course. Um, So I think that describes your mentality to a T darling. Oh, absolutely fruitly. And then just throw some Jupiter on top of that and then just let it. Well, yes. So, okay. So let's put, let's put Jack together here real quick. Uh, so if we have that <laughs> feminine Taurus, then we're looking at, you know, you're going to take a little more time to formulate and communicate your thoughts, maybe through preparation and, you know, things along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also solid. So it's going to stay the course, focus diligently, get that project done. Uh, but then, you know, it's able to do so in this matter of a fact manner and to lay it all. I think that's a rather nice little Mercury. Personally. Well, thank you. I will add to that, that Taurus, again, slowest sign, do get things done. It does take me longer than most people to finish major, major projects, but it does get done. And when it does get done, it gets done rather beautifully, Taurus, if I do say so myself. But the slow pace especially with a uh, double mercury uh, uh, mercurial influence in the like uh, the uh, my son and ascendant uh, it it can even frustrate me sometimes how long i take to do major tasks but when it does get done 
it, it's, it was well worth the investment and the, and the, uh, and the wait. Um, and uh, there's also a level of eloquence to, uh, to Taurus. Like out of all the three earth signs, um, Capricorn would definitely be the most uh, practical in terms of what's going to be practical in society contemporarily, like what's going to be practical from a business standpoint or from a, a mid-heaven kind of 10th house perspective. And then Virgo is going to be what's most practical or most efficiently organized. Well, Taurus is going to be the most practical, but also uh, is going to look for the most beautiful words and is going to lean towards that planetary tendency of what's the biggest, like how big was the fish, like we were talking about earlier. Taurus is going to describe every scale of that fish in luxurious rainbow detail. Oh. And uh, what was the sea foam like uh, amongst which the fish swam? What? <laughs> well, what it brings to mind for, to me is like that grandiose opera singer. Oh, you know, like that. That part of my history too. Oh well, that's right. That's right. You were that. You know, that's maybe that's why we see a lot of. uh, You know, Taurus is associated with music just in general, but Mercury Mm. and Taurus. You know, there's that eloquence that we're adding upon it, and maybe even that melisma, like you know, (laughs) all over. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's great. Oh my god. All right, Jack. Well, you know. We're running so, long because we're talking about Mercury and we're long winded. That's true. And we talked a lot about Earth and air signs of Mercury. So let's just do water and fire for a hot sec here because I love you as an example for a fire Mercury because Mercury and Leo, definitely speaking to passions, definitely speaking to that which one cares about. But that's a general fire trait as well. And uh, I definitely uh, believe that Mercury in fire signs, I actually don't have any people in my own family lineage that is Mercury and a fire sign. So that has been an energy I've uh, come to know through clients and through uh, uh, more looking at event type charts. Mm. But uh, it seems to me that Mercury in fire signs uh, can absolutely be like a bellwether. He can uh, be the firebrand, the uh, like Joan of Arc on a horse can speak uh, with such passion that it incites a following uh, of people that also believe in such a way. It speaks to the passions um, uh, of the heart and the uh, less like an emotionally driven thing, like the water signs, which we'll talk about in a second, but definitely uh, Mercury for a cause. Mercury, the activist. Mm. Um, fire mercury maybe even the preacher like because it's, hey. it's inspiration you know that's the the mouth opens and it's there to inspire or like when i do mm-hmm. workshops one of the things i hear most is that people become fired up th- through my passion for what it is i'm talking about yes and so i can transfer that passion and through my own excitement about what it is i'm talking about and then people get inspired through it because they're like yes that is yeah i'm fired up too now. Uh, and so I think that's a, one of the qualities to that fire mercury. Encoding that fire. Yes. <laughs> now what about water here? Water, water, water. Uh, well, we, we already talked about Pisces a fair amount yeah. and the, the positive side again to Pisces is the poetical, the poetic nature of mercury. So when things need to be talked around versus spoken to directly, that's one really great way to embrace that Piscean Mercury. Uh, I do actually know one of my uh, good friends uh, has been dating this wonderful fellow for a few years now 
who uh, actually is a great drag queen and their Pi- their Mercury is in Pisces. And so the ability to shift and transform and to speak for others, to speak for other roles and characters, um, to allow the voices of other people to speak through. Uh, I have, uh, there's one client of mine that is, uh, it's mediumship work that has Mercury in Pisces. Great thing for channeling information and uh, other intelligences through one's speech. Um, this all speaks to uh, the difficulty that Mercury can have uh, reducing the fullness of, uh, of a persona or, or the fullness of a pure idea into uh uh, into words when there's such a connection to an emotional truth or a, an emotional variance, That's okay. um, which all of the uh, the water signs definitely have a connection to. Like the intensity of Scorpio can be great for uh, for Mercury getting into difficult subjects and diving deep into a situation and looking at all the facts, no matter how harsh they are. But it can also uh, lead to a sharp tongue, you know, words that might be biting or uh, uh, be uh, injurious uh, with, uh, without very careful uh, discernment or choice of words. And then finally, cancer, uh, the tendency that we all have when we have uh, a lot of cancer going on to, uh, to nurture and gift uh, Mercury and his, uh, his inability to, uh, you, you know, even when attempting to not lie, to sometimes talk around the truth or tell more than the truth or less than the whole truth can come from a play, cancerian place of wanting to protect or nurture. Uh, and that's a very altruistic intention. Um, but uh, the tendency there would uh, be to uh, use that intention um, too effusively to protect people from the harshness of the world uh, or in a very positive way, uh, uh, Mercury and Cancer can also speak a truth in a way that will be soft and like a mother telling a harsh reality to their child when they're upset. Mm, yeah, yeah, and well, I mean, when the water, just in general, hey, there's always going to be an emotional tone to that mind, and mm-hmm. so water Mercuries more than other Mercuries need to be aware of where their emotions are at. Uh, to some extent, because that's going to affect their reasoning process. Um, and so there, you know, there, there's, and I, that makes me think of my mom. So my mom has mercury and cancer and my mom's an interesting character for sure. Uh, and how she views the world and uh, emotionally. Um, and that really does color how she communicates with others, you know, how she responds to me, like see my mom's Mercury and Cancer and here I am Mercury and Leo, total aversion. Mm-hmm. These different, we're these different, you know, I'm like, come on, let's look at this as a positive way. And my mom's like, no, I see the world like this because I've emotionally experienced it this way. And that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love her though. I love my mom, but uh, there's really, there's that emotional consideration there. So we want to be, um, and and really Mercury and Scorpio too, like you were saying, uh, because it can dive so deep and maybe into topics that are rather intense emotionally. Uh, And so maybe that's where we get some sight, you know, people that dive into 
being psychologists or, or working with people that are, you know, uh, social workers and de- dealing with different difficult cases or having to have difficult conversations that are probably from an emotional place with so- holding space for someone else. Because if we remember with the water signs that they're essentially, the mercury is still dependent on someone or something else. So there, that is that you know, outside influence. And so I think that could be a very good space for uh, that Mercury and Scorpio too, to kind of be help those conversations that are not so easy to be had, you know. So. The ability to facilitate therapy, to speak to a group yes. of people sharing, sharing an injury or sharing a trauma. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And even be able to go through that completely and like get in there because that's a solid sign, you know, focusing on that and getting down to the bottom mm-hmm. of what that is. Because essentially what's therapy, you don't go once and like, oh, okay, I talked about it. No, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to regress through it. We're going to pull it all out and we're going to get to the bottom of it. And, you know, essentially the bottom of it is usually the end of it, right? Um, to some extent. So yeah, those are all all, all those, but you know, yeah, that's a good little dive into all to all four elemental uh, groupings there, the triplicities. Yes, we weren't even planning to do that, but you know, we're just feeling it. <laughs> roll. We're feeling it. So, all right, Jack. Well, uh, unless we want to make this a twenty-four hour show, we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to wrap it up here. So, but I think we had a good talk. We covered just the you know what's going on in the world. We talked about Mercury in you know in myth. We talked about the cycle of Mercury yes. and all these you know different kinds of Mercuries and all the considerations of how to kind of delineate that placement. But I do want to emphasize like what Jack was saying earlier is that there's a lot that goes in to it just beyond these things that we just talked about because you know aspects you know placement within the sun is it occidental oriental you know what side of the sun Mm -hmm. is it on how fast is it like or slow is it as jack was talking about earlier so there's a lot more that goes into it than these you know super basic things that we're talking about but it's a good place to start if you want to you know kind of dive in there 100 percent so, all oh, right, Jack. Oh, yeah. I sort of wanted to share one story as well, just because it illustrates a wonderful point about um, rulership. And uh, I think that th- this is a tidbit for maybe if you've been studying astrology a little bit more, um, but it relates to, uh, to timing. As we just left this Mercury retrograde, so if you're in a Mercury perfection year or in a Mercury fredaria, or if you are ruled by Mercury Virgo or Gemini, um, in terms of timing, there was actually a really um, interesting thing that just happened uh, that just finished getting completed. Um, I, I, in my personal life, uh, since Mercury went retrograde back in Sagittarius, um, uh, just earlier this last week, um, I was able to heal from a really mysterious sort of like, first I thought there was this like, I I was like getting crazy in my head and things were so confusing. I was talking to Mel and I even, I even took a vow of silence earlier this month, which for a Mercury person, that was quite an adventure. Let me tell you. (laughs) But uh, as it turns out, um, I, I actually had a, uh, a staph infection intranasally and literally it was, uh, it was, uh, affecting my cognition. And I, there was the beginning of, of all these other sort of health issues, but we caught it. But if you're ever looking at your chart, you're looking at timing things. Uh, I definitely notice when your chart ruler goes retrograde and then marry it with these other wonderful techniques we have like perfections. 
uh, because it wasn't until literally the day that Venus perfected over 13 degrees of Sagittarius last Saturday, uh, which is the point at which Mercury went retrograde back in November. Uh, that is the day that the doctor was able to finally diagnose what in the world was going on. Yeah. So look at these triggers. They're super literal. I'm in a Venus perfection year. And my issue started back when Mercury went into freaking retrograde in November. So just to connect those two techniques for those that are already using them, look at your rulerships and look at your perfection year planetary triggers and see where those things are overlapping. Just another full awareness of cycles, because that is one that I... Uh, I rarely come across spoken about in the literature and it was super duper real. And uh, that is all I'm going to share for right now, but it was just significant enough. And this is a Mercury discussion. Wanted to share that titly little bit because um, I think some people might be helped by looking at those cross connections of techniques. Yeah, no, I love that. And it really lined up so perfectly for you and your chart. And luckily got the relief that you got, uh, you know, that sweet Venus relief that comes in. And like, you know. From a wonderful female doctor. Yes. yes. Oh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially since that Mercury retrograde um, was square Neptune. And so is Venus as it comes about here. And so his mysterious illness that didn't know what it was until we're like, wait, something's not right here. Um, so that's, that's a wonderful story, Jack. Thank you for sharing. Cause it, it's all, it's many factors that come into play and there's a lot you can learn when you put the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, Cheers, so, darling. yes. All right, Jack. Well, before we go here, uh, where can people find you? What do you got going on? What's, what's, what's your deal? You can find me teaching yoga now um, every Thursday night and several days uh, a week uh, uh, on an alternating basis at Lotus Town Yoga in Lovisville, Virginia. I'm expanding into that market more and uh, all my yogis and yoginis at the studio, much love. Namaste. Uh, you can find me at my website, GeminiJack.com, which I have another blog post about to go live. And uh, yeah, just uh, hit me up. Let's have a lovely conversation. And I. Uh, it's really a joy to talk to uh, to everyone around the country and uh, around the world that's into astro because we're all a global family and we uh, the more we become a globalized uh, economy, the more we become a, a globalized world, the more that the city is everyone's living room, everyone's bedroom on their computer and on their phone. And of course, Gemini's the city. Let's chat. <laughs> let's chat oh my gosh and i totally recommend chatting with jack because clearly i like it so much so what's not to like you know get hit him up and uh you know if you didn't quite get that i will obviously have that on my blog uh how to get in touch with him i'll also have on my blog um the Demetra George book as well that i referenced earlier so that you what can that up from rubedo rubedo i hope i'm saying that right press um because it is definitely worth your money. Now, okay, so where would that be? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. Um, and if you are uh, into, you know, wanting to look at your own chart, I, of course, do consultations. So feel free to reach out to myself or Jack or both of us because uh, we'd love to talk to you. Um, and also there's that Patreon subscription that I have uh, that you can sign up for if you'd like to support the podcast and get some, you know, 
some cool things to do each week. And I also have, uh, you know, that tip jar. If you just feel like donating, you're like, I like this. I learned so much about Mercury. I feel like giving, you know, there is a space Mm. for that too. Um, You know, share it with a friend, especially a mercurial friend, if you know one, (laughs) you know, be like, you need to listen to this because... Just saying. Um, And so there's that as well. If you want to share it with some friends or give a nice review on iTunes or any of those things, it all helps the podcast just be seen uh, and get out there more uh, as well as myself and Jack. So cheers to that. All right, Jack. Well, I think we had another wonderful conversation per usual. So let's, I will bid you adieu. Adieu, Leo Goddess. My oh. <laughs> adieu, adieu. I cry as I leave you. No. Um, yes, yes and no. But all right, everyone. Well, I cry as I leave you as well. So thank you so much for tuning in as always. May the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.